At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. I'm Joe Devine, and welcome to Whiteboard Football Extra. In this series of short podcasts, we'll be talking to the writers of our videos, taking a more in-depth look at the topics they choose to discuss. We'll also be engaging with user comments, so if after watching a video you have follow-up questions, we have an opportunity to answer them. Skillful, thoughtful and aggressive. Eric Cantona wowed English football in the 1990s and was key to Manchester United's dominance at the time. Though idolised for his football, Cantona is also remembered for his various altercations. A kung fu kick against a Crystal Palace fan at Selhurst Park is perhaps foremost amongst them. Today I'm joined by Paul Ansorge to discuss the man and the myth. Paul, you describe Eric Cantona as talismanic at Manchester United and clearly he's a cult figure but sometimes an element of fantasy can develop over time. With this in mind, how good was he in your opinion and is it possible that collective fond memories have embellished his abilities over time? I mean, the answer to the the second part of that question is obviously definitely yes, but he was superb. Um, I mean, the, the reason that I described him as talismanic isn't even just specifically about how good he was in absolute terms relative to all other footballers. It was how vital his arrival at Manchester United was. He truly did change everything at United. He... Um, it was him who introduced the culture of practicing after training, uh, which the class of '92, who kind of came up under him, uh, really fully embraced. Like the end of their f- the first training session at United, uh, Cantona asked Ferguson if he could borrow a couple of youth team players to run extra drills. Fergie was delighted by that and and more than happy to oblige. Uh, on the pitch, you know, I, I talk about this all the time when I talk about Cantona, but. The season after he returned uh, to action from his long suspension, um, in March of 1996, um, 97, I might have got that the wrong way around. Anyway, in the March of the season uh, that he came back, uh, United played four games and they won three of them 1-0 and drew the other one one all. And Cantona scored all four of those goals. Uh, United ended up uh, reeling in Kevin Keegan's Newcastle and uh, winning the Premier League title, and it was in large part thanks to Cantona. But also, he was just an extraordinarily joyful footballer to watch. He was really improvisational, really prepared to try outrageous stuff, the chip against Sunderland, the chip against Sheffield Wednesday, long-range blasters. You know, he, he had an incredible range of goals, but also he could, you know, his movement was good and he'd get on the end of a tap-in and he was really strong and could hold up the ball. Uh, he was a, he was an amazing footballer. I mean, Roy Keane, in his first autobiography, suggested that maybe Cantona didn't quite cut it in European competition because he benefited from the half a yard of space extra he got in the Premier League 
Um, so there is that view that maybe he wasn't one of the great game's true elites, but I think there are a lot of people that would take umbrage with Keane on that and, and fundamentally disagree. Um, maybe he wasn't, well, he certainly wasn't, you know, Lionel Messi levels of good, uh, but he was genuinely a magnificent footballer. It's interesting then, isn't it? Because I think what we're really talking about here is how we best define what makes a good player. And you mentioned a few different things there. Obviously, you know, the first one, and I suppose the basis of the question is, how good is he as a football player physically? You you compared him to, to Messi there and said perhaps he wasn't as good as Messi in terms of output. But also, I think a lot of what you're saying is symbolic. So if he stuck around after training and carried on practising, if he changed the feel at Old Trafford, if his goals were symbolic and, as you call, you know, describe him as joyful to watch, I suppose it's quite difficult for us then to to uh, talk about how good Cantona was without first defining what a good player actually is. And presumably it's actually a mixture of all of those things, uh, which is a big dose of context outside of output, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he scored a hatful of goals, made loads of assists. Like on a very basic level, he was just brilliant. He's just a brilliant footballer, certainly one of the best ever to grace the Premier League. Um, But there's more to him than just that. Uh, and and I think sometimes uh, that question, the, the kind of phrasing of the question in the first place is really, are we saying that the stuff that is more to him than just the good footballer elevates what a good footballer he was? But I think just spend 25 minutes watching a Cantona compilation and the answer's pretty quickly available to you that, nope, he was just straight up and down a brilliant player. In the case of Matthew Simmons, who was the, the Palace fan that Cantona kicked, you chose in the video to omit reference to his political beliefs or his alleged history of racism and that when he was found guilty of using threatening words and behaviour towards Cantona prior to the incident, Simmons then ironically kicked the prosecution lawyer in the chest before proca- uh, proclaiming his innocence. Why did you choose, given this information, why did you choose to preclude him from the video? Uh, because it was about Cantona rather than Simmons, really, and because... Um, All of that is uh, after-the-fact justification. You know, Matthew Simmons, I think uh, any reasonable description of uh, of kind of morality would probably suggest that Matthew Simmons is quite a terrible human. Um, he was jailed in 2011 for um, a fight at a youth football match. In 1992, he was convicted of an attempted violent robbery when he attacked an attendant in a Croydon petrol station. I'm quoting direct, directly from a Guardian article in 2004 there. Um, and he'd attended British National Party and National Front rallies. Um, it's like when you think about that, you think, well, if you're going to kick anyone... I mean, to be honest, I'm a pacifist, so I'm not about kicking people, really. But if you're going to kick anyone, this sounds like the sort of person that you'd want to kick. Um, I I didn't think it belonged in the video because, like, Cantona didn't know any of that when he made that decision, obviously. It, it adds to the kind of cult around the incident, but it's kind of separate to the incident itself. Um, what's arguably Cantona's most famous quote came during this period as well. When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. What do you think he meant by this? And uh, what do you think generally of Cantona as a sort of philosopher figure? So to answer the first question, the fact that he said it, there's two options in my mind. One is that it was Dadaism. So it was was purely uh, designed to be absurdist. 
And that's kind of Cantona's, Cantona's revealed position on it. He's always said it didn't really mean anything. I don't take that at face value. I, I think... Uh, given the setting, the fact that it happened at a um, a, pr- a rabid press conference, I think it's pretty clearly about tabloid journalism and and the kind of journalism that follows disaster. In this case, the uh, the seagulls are the journalists. Eric Cantona is the trawler, and the incident is the sardines that he's throwing into the sea. I'd be quietly confident that that's what he meant. But, you know, the man himself says it didn't really mean anything, so... And as for what I think of him as a philosopher, you know, I think um, I have an insight into some of the questions that are coming up, Joe, and I, I think that we'll touch on Cantona as a slightly ambivalent figure um, as as we move on. But I think, uh, you know, he's come up with a few amazing quotes in his time. And he's certainly a thinker and he's certainly a kind of fairly sensitive and interesting man. Um, he has some interesting ideas. Um, but he's, you know, it's it's a mixed bag. I think, you know, the thing that he said about kicking the hooligan and it being the his favourite moment of his career, because what he said was people like that don't have to be at the game. And so him kicking this sort of horrible human offers a kind of freedom, a kind of outlet for people that that aren't free to kick people like this that they'd rather not come across in their lives, uh, which is a, you know, it's a position that's kind of easy to sympathise with. Um, you, you can see where the justification comes, the kind of, um, if you kind of assume that football is, is somewhat uh, a platform for people to... Uh, experience emotion in a kind of packaged way that they can use then to process their real life emotions uh, then you can sort of see that the footballer as symbol of hope is uh, kind of a potent one but I think you know ultimately I don't think Cantona would describe himself as a philosopher he's just a person who thinks about things well maybe we can touch on that a little bit more now um, because as well as being a man with lots of interesting quotes Cantona during his career and beyond was also extremely marketable you know from the famous Nike adverts to his current work with an alcoholic beverage company later this week Paul we're releasing another video of yours on the history of Manchester United's number sevens a few of whom were also heavily involved with advertising um, you could argue positively in the case of David Beckham and arguably negatively in the case of someone like George Best. What effect do you think Cantona's advertising work has had on him? First of all, uh, I'm interested in what you mean by positively in the case of Beckham and negatively in the case of George Best, Joe. Well, I think with David Beckham, the answer's the answer is quite clear. Um, his advertising work, I suppose, has had quite a positive effect on his career in terms of the fact that it's made him very wealthy. He seems to be reasonably well adjusted. And I think, you know, he's always seemed to take quite well to those sorts of endeavours. With George Best, I think it's slightly different. I actually watched the Best documentary um, that came out recently. And one of the things that was really interesting to learn about George Best was that he was one of the first people to be inundated with this sort of attention from the markets at such a young age you know and his parents lived in Northern Ireland still he was living with a surrogate family in Manchester but there wasn't really anybody around him at the time to help him deal with all of this and I think as a very young man you know he was between sort of 17 and and 19 when these uh, incidents first started happening when he first started being used to sell everything and anything I think the pressure of those jobs and 
you know, particularly the fact that they were happening at quite a confusing time for a person, you know, during their life, their late teens, and they're working out who they are and potentially having some identity issues that are separate to that anyway. I think in George Best's case, you could argue that these sorts of things contributed to his alcoholism in later life and and certainly the time as well and, and him finding a way to feel like himself and finding a way to be comfortable with his identity, which in George Best's case arguably was through drinking. So I think that's why I describe it as negative. But generally with Cantona as well, I'm interested in what effect this sort of work can have on someone's identity. In fact, one journalist at the time noted that Cantona's kung fu kick saw him become the myth. You know, is it possible that his advertising work encouraged his bad boy attitude or, or you know, potentially gave him uh, some identity issues to deal with? I, I would say that the answer to that question is fairly definitively no, because you just have to look at Cantona's early career to see that the seeds for all this were long sown. You know, he from his very earliest years, way before he became marketable, he was a bad boy, in inverted commas. He was in a, a, a French FA hearing and pointed at each individual member of the hearing and said, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, probably in French. But, you know, this is, this is who Cantona fundamentally is. And indeed... It was quite the inverse. It wasn't him living up to a, mark, a bad boy image generated by marketing. Marketers were attracted to that bad boy image. I mean, it's an interesting paradox that he's doing, you know, very commercial work. In 2010, this is what I was talking about, about his kind of philosophical ambivalence. In 2010, he uh, called for a run on the banks as a means of protest against the system, which is a kind of pretty directly anti-capitalist move. And yet, here's a man who you know, throughout his career did a lot of very prominent Nike adverts, as you say, he's currently advertising uh, a beer on, on English television. Uh, so there's, there is a, a paradox there. I mean, I think, you know, uh, we were talking a little off the air about the, the issues in society to do with consumerism. If we separate those for a second, one of the things that you could say about Cantona, he was incredibly well handled by advertising in his prime uh, there was uh, there were numerous amazing Nike adverts that surrounded uh, this incident. I mean, there's the famous one, which is 1966 was a great year for English football. Eric Cantona was born. That's a pretty good one. Um, uh, one is uh, we'll always remember that incredible night at, that night at Selhurst Park. And when you scored that incredible volley, which is a reference to a time I think United played Wimbledon at Selhurst Park, who were ground sharing with Crystal Palace, and he scored a, a blinder. And and the other one, which was uh, probably the single best uh, sport billboard advert of all times of all time, which is uh, he's paid for his crimes now it's someone else's turn, uh, which is you know so it's a heck of a piece of marketing. And he was in the in the little less conversation, little more action series in the two thousand and two World Cup. So you know, there's there's no doubt that uh, very smart branding people furthered the myth of Eric Cantona but he didn't need that they were they were piggybacking onto him rather than the other way around okay let's take it over to some user comments now Wally Snow and a a number of other commenters noted Cantona's similarity to Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, Paul, do you see that likeness? Oh yeah, it's it's unmissable. Um, I mean, first of all, they're both footballers 
um, you know, they're both big, incredibly skillful footballers, which and strikers at that, which gives them a certain uh, physical and technical similarity. Although, you know, Cantona wasn't quite the uh, taekwondo expert of of Ibrahimovic. He was less likely to, you know, do vertical splits and pull the ball out of the sky. Um, but you know. The, Zlatan is very big on a quote. I mean, there are there are key differences. There aren't too many quotes about Cantona calling himself a kind of football god. Basically, that's that's something that Ibrahimovic has um, that's quite different. But no, there's, there's there's certainly a kind of charismatic aura similarity. I I would this might just be the kind of bias of age. I would suggest that there might be a kind of a genuine intellectual depth to Cantona that isn't there with Ibrahimovic, but that might be unfair on Ibrahimovic. Clint Gentilla describes Cantona as a spectacular player with a lack of discipline and goes on to say that Sir Alex Ferguson had a way of making his players shine. What impact do you think that Ferguson had on Cantona? Well, it was a phenomenal impact and Cantona had a phenomenal impact on Ferguson too. Uh, you can find this just with a bit of Googling, but in in uh, Ferguson's most recent book on leadership, he reprinted a letter he'd sent to Cantona after Cantona had retired. And it is the most emotive, I don't know, it's, it's, it's impossible to read without getting a little choked up for me, just because of, of what both of those people um, meant to the club that I support and and especially the the age that I was at that time it's a, a very sort of special time in the club's history um Ferguson gave Cantona a platform uh th- there's a famous story of a black tie event where Cantona turns up in jeans and a t-shirt all the other United players are looking around like oh boss is gonna give him gonna hammer him here and Ferguson just goes some man that Cantona eh you know he he gave him the special treatment that he deserved not in an ultimate sense deserved, but he gave him the special treatment that would bring out the best in him. I mean, in in a very practical sense, Cantona absolutely would have retired after the extension of his suspension for playing in an informal youth football match in the summer. Like, he wasn't messing about. He'd gone, and Ferguson literally flew to Paris... Uh, had a, a clandestine meeting in a, in a restaurant, which they got um, they got it shut and sat and talked for hours. And just uh, Ferguson relates this in his autobiography, his first autobiography. Um, just basically had a brilliant old chat about football and convinced him to come back. So, in a very practical sense, he extended his career. But I mean, there's no doubt that Ferguson's willingness to indulge Cantona got the best out of him in a in a staggering way you know his there's nowhere else in his career that even compares to the consistency of success he had at united and the longevity of his time at united and that was just because ferguson remarkably knew how to handle him i mean this is you know the fact that ferguson could handle let's just take three examples at random eric cantona ryan giggs cristiano ronaldo all three required completely different sorts of approaches three people from three different generations um, with kind of very different worldviews. Ferguson's ability to adapt is almost the most impressive thing about his entire managerial career. Alaric says, I think Ian Dowie was a striker. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, the pain I felt when these comments started coming back. Hmm. I, I don't know why I didn't think... 
wait a minute, was Ian Dowie a defender? When I was writing and recording this, it was it was a bad moment, Joe, I'm not going to lie. Um, he didn't score very many goals. That's the no. one thing in my defence. But yeah, no, if I could change anything about this video, it would be that. Well, that's fine. We, we allow occasional mistakes on here, as many commenters will point out in every video. <laughs> There's lots of uh, conflicting opinions on Cantona as well. Chip Butty Time says, which is a fantastic name, by the way, says he was a very, very dirty player and a crybaby. He currently looks like a depressed Neanderthal relegated to the sad after-dinner speaker circuit and crap adverts for overrated beer. Bit harsh, I think. And then Tenzo Go says, that's why I like King Eric and Ibra. They say what we can only think because we are afraid of society. I suppose that's a little bit like what you were saying before, Paul. Uh, yeah, I mean, the chip butty time thing isn't like what I was saying before. I mean, it is worth saying... I think a lot of I think the the stuff about how he looks now is just nonsense. But the first part, he was a very very dirty player. Like he would absolutely kick seven bells out of the opposition if he didn't like the way it was going. And and this is why you know you have to consider the kind of ambivalence of Cantona when you think about him. Um, but you know he was also an exceptional footballer, kind of a poet. Uh, you know he, he left. He left football to become an actor to pursue another aspect of life. And and the thing about they say what we can only think because we're afraid of society, I think I think Cantona would be delighted to hear someone say that of him. Paul Ansorge, thanks very much. Thanks, Joe. It was a real pleasure. Any time you get to have a chat about Eric Cantona is a good time, in my opinion. Each of us has a purpose. We are destined to do something meaningful not only to support our loved ones, but to positively impact our communities throughout the country. What do you think a private Christian education looks like? Grand Canyon University offers over 175 high-quality online programs across nine colleges. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.